A few years ago now, my gut basically felt like it exploded. I could barely eat anything, and my hair was coming out in clumps in my hands when I would take a shower. We're talking about health today because if you want to be a badass, you must take care of your body in addition to the mind. And there's so much about our health that is in our control. When you are able to take control of your health, you will start to actually feel better. You'll have more energy, you'll be clear-headed, and you'll eventually be unstoppable. You can't stop me now, no. been extremely active and movement's always been uh, an important thing. So working out obviously was and has been, it still is, part of my lifestyle. I don't, you know, have a conversation with myself, should I go run today mm-hmm. or should I go work out? I look at it like work, like, like going to a job. It's not work, it's like going to a job. So every day I go to work, every day I go work out. Working out's important to me. But I like to switch things up. I'm not stagnant because I feel there's different muscles in the body, different movements. So I've done everything throughout my life. I've done everything from dance, dance, going to dance schools, dance classes, to martial arts, taekwondo, to jujitsu, which I do now. Which on the days where that I'm not working out, I go to jujitsu. And isn't that partly some uh, form of your release as well? Like your stress when you are very stressed or wound up, you go and... Um, I I work out at night. Mm. I know so a lot of people, most people do it in the morning, but again, I listen to my body. My body's just like, no, thank you. I'm fasting in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> I can't do it in the morning. My body's like, I can if I need to, but it's it's unpleasant for me. And so I, I want to enjoy what I do. Mm. I look at it as an enjoyment. So in the evening too, what I find is the anxieties you collect, the stress you collect throughout the day, I need to release it. And so on days where I maybe have a lot of stress, I go run. I'll run and I run it out of, run it out of me. My husband always, always says, he's like, are you going to go slay your dragons? <laughs> or, you know, or run, you know, chase snakes or run the snakes out of your head? I was like, yes, I am. But it's a mechanism that I use for myself. It feels, it actually feels good. I never used to like to run. It was the hardest thing. And Initially, because I never ran when I was younger, and then when I went into the academy training, you had to run. We're not talking about, oh, let's go for a jog. We're talking about runs, long runs, and inclement weather, and different outfits, and, you know, different gear. So, again, it went back to the body. Mm -hmm. I had to kind of get my body to a point where it was efficient. But when it got to that point, it was great. I could lift anything, move anything, drag anything, do anything, stand on my feet all day and feel great. And so I think once I got to that mm. peak performance level, I understood inherently how important it was. And what did it also do to your mind? Because you said you felt great. I assume you mean you feel great physically, but did you... It quiets the chatter in my head. Mm. I have... The one thing, I'm not a rigid person. Again, I am 80-20, but typically my nighttime routine is I work out. I'll work all day. I'm a big, 
I love to work. I work on weekends. I know you don't like it, but I work <laughs> on weekends. But I, I work throughout the day. I'll wake up early, work throughout the day. And I'll usually shut it down around 7 p.m. or so, depending what's going on. But at that point, 7 p.m., okay, now I move into me, mm. my time. And this is where I put time into myself. So it's like, okay, time to, I took care of work, the creative part of my life, the financial part of my life. I took care of that, you know, the achievement part of my life. Now I have to take care of Evie because if I don't invest in me, this is all going to go to shit. But again, I want to be clear. This is my lifestyle. This is what works for me. This is what works for you. It's kind of a buffet. We're giving you the buffet. Pick and choose what you like. If you like some stuff, put it on your plate. If you like, you know, don't like any of it, go somewhere else. I mean, don't leave the channel. We <laughs> like having you, but just don't put anything on your plate. I love this. And this is how we came up with the idea of doing one of these episodes of being, you know, unstop to be unstoppable, you have to look at your health. The mind and the body are connected. That's the one thing I yes. will say. When I see people separate them, I there's I'm not a doctor, but I will tell you based on my performance and seeing the performance of other people, help the president of the United States every morning woke up and worked out. Mm -hmm. Every morning, like clockwork. And you think that, or not think, but the activeness, the moving your body, absolutely, I mean, obviously it's very important. And that's why someone who is using their mind every single day, like a president, needs I, the, yeah, the physical. I, I will tell you from my experience, if I don't work out, this doesn't work right. Right. That's all I know. I listen to it and I pay attention. When I haven't worked out, when I'm not moving, when I don't eat well, when I'm not taking care of the machine, mm -hmm. it's like a car. If you don't repair the car and fix the car. Right. And this is the thing. I will see people take better care of their car yes! oh than God. they do their bodies. They'll yes. shine it. Yes. They'll wash it. They'll armor all the tires. Yeah. They will do all that to keep it in this pristine shape. And then this... We take it for granted. But again, I also did not have the luxury for this to break down. Mm -hmm. But what I love as well is what you're saying. And, you know, your buffet analogy I always freaking love is that me and you are polar opposites in the way that we handle it. But yet, when we were talking about what are the elements that really we truly believe make us freaking unstoppable, we both said it's the body, it's the mind. But how we go about it is freaking night and day. Like, you'll never catch me working out at night. Nope, not doing it. I'm exhausted. I want to chill. I want to Netflix and chill after work. And that's why I do it in the morning. Because in the morning, like you, you use the evening workout to kind of push out or e expel all the energy from the day. I do it in the morning so that I don't do it at work. So because I know myself and because I know I can get myself like all energized up, I almost need to do it at the beginning of the day. So I've released all any frustration, stress, anxiety. I do it first thing in the morning. And that's when I get all my best ideas in moving, in the gym and working. Like I literally get my best creative ideas. Now, when I used to do it for the looks, I was running on the treadmill and I was like, how many calories have I burned? That was it. Now... I haven't been on a treadmill girl in God knows how long. Years, years. Threw away the scale and now I lift weights. That's so funny you said that. I don't do treadmills. I don't want to see numbers. Mm -hmm. I don't want to see how far I've gone. Some days I run three miles. Some days I run a mile and a half. Some days maybe I'll go longer. I go with what I feel and I let my body guide me. 
Yeah, I love that. I do and I don't in the gym because I love lifting weights. I realized going back to what is good for you? What feels good for you? I started to realize I hate, hated the treadmill because I was just counting calories. But the gym, I have no, like lifting weights, I have no, I, no idea how many calories I'm burning. And so I go, cool, what do I want to do today? I want to curl. Great. What am I doing? I want to beat myself. Yesterday or last week or last month or last year, you could only curl 15 pounds. Cool. In six months, I want to be able to curl 25 pounds. It has nothing to do with looks. It has nothing to do with um, calories. It has nothing to do with anything. It is just, I've set my mind to something. It's a goal and I'm going to work hard to do it. And it's me against me. So when I talk about like the freaking mindset, what I do to make my mind solid every freaking day, that's why I work out. That's why I lift weights in the morning because no one can touch that. No one can penetrate me with negative opinions and thoughts and, you know, the world. Everyone's going to have an opinion. Everyone's going to have a thought. No one can touch me. No one can take that away from me. No one can impact me. It is me against me. And that is it. And it's fucking inspiring. I think for me, the nighttime, it's kind of like I feel that I'm prepping my body to go to bed and my mind. Mm. And so it's kind of the routine. It's my workout. I do my inversion table. I do my meditation. Um, I'll do my writing. There's certain things I write at night, like a couple of things. I don't journal. I don't have the bandwidth for it, but I'll write three things I need to do tomorrow. I'll, do, I'll kind of plan that out. And then I sleep. I, I sleep great. It's when I don't work out that I have a rough night. I also notice that it, it mm-hmm. impacts my sleep. My body is spent. It's released. It's good. It's, uh, and then I'm just... I'm just out. But I also look at it like in moving my body. So it's not just the gym for me. I do other things. I surf. That to me is another way. I guess I think of it as move your body. Mm. Maybe it's going back to Mrs. Obama when she did the Let's Move campaign when she was trying to fight childhood obesity. And she created a Let's Move campaign and, you know, exercise and working out. And I have, I maybe in some sense, I have that same mindset, just move, move the body, let it flow. So I'll, I surf in the summer usually, but sometimes I've been brave enough to go in the winter. Anything that is different, I will do. Snowboarding, I went, I never snowboarded before I went this winter. Anything that's something beautiful you can do with the body, anything that moves my body, I guess I, I look at these as all elegant things to do for my body. So I do them for the pleasure of my body. I do them for the pleasure of my mind. So I think I just approach them that way. Mm -hmm. I've had that training mindset for a really long time. But then after a while, after you get out of training, it's performance, it's feeling good. It's not hating the gym, not hating working Mm -hmm. out, not looking at it in a negative way. So I've shifted it into this is my time. All right, so talk to me then about cold showers because I really want to talk about this because... I believe you still don't enjoy cold showers, but cold, you, st- yeah. you still do them. Cold so- showers are tough because I don't like the cold, but I do it for two reasons. One, I don't like the cold. And so I kind of have this mindset, kill fear while it's still small. So I keep that, keep that kind of in check. But it's also, it is physically good for the body, at least for my body. Again, I listen to my body. Uh, my skin is better. I can feel the blood flow. It helps the circulation. It helps with other things. And my body looks stronger and feels better. And I think that that has helped my lifestyle. But I've also had 
made it a positive thing. It's a positive thing. All right, in my so to so say that, how do you do that then? Because it still sucks, but you've made it a positive thing. So what do you say to yourself? Because here's the thing, I actually totally get it. Do you know who Wim Hof is? Oh, isn't he the person? He's I've the, heard of him with the holding your breath. Yeah, he's, he's basically cold ice. He um, did a, ran a marathon in the Arctic, I believe, in just like his underwear mm-hmm. or something like that. Insane. And he talks about how to do breath and why yeah. the cold is really good for you. I meet, get to meet him, and I'm like, I'm, I fucking hate the cold. I'm, I'm not bloody stepping in the cold. Like, why would you ever do that? It's torturous, right? Because I tell pain equals like move away so I was like oh okay well it's painful I'm gonna move away why would I ever do that and then I hear him talk and he starts to say all the incredible benefits of cold exposure of breath work of and how that affects the mind and so I'm sitting there listening to this man talk and I'm like oh my god that sounds like that sucks that's a terrible idea who the hell would do that and as he starts to say I'm like Lisa you're talking yourself out of something when someone's literally saying this is good for you so now just decide do you want to do things that are good for you try it like, just do it once. You're like, you're literally shutting down this idea because it's uncomfortable. But if your goal is to get better and be unstoppable, then freaking do it. So I tried it once and I'm like, this is going to suck. Oh my God, what am I doing? And I, before I started, I flipped my mindset like what you were saying. I'm like, this is going to be amazing. This is going to be great for you. This is going to be the key that you've always wanted. And I went into it and I hated actually doing it, but I started to feel great. Now, I don't know about the chemicals in the body and all of that sort of thing, but what it did for me was kind of like the gym where I go, I hate this so much. I don't want to do it. But Lisa, you got this. Can I ask you a question? Do you still do it? How many times did you do it? So this was the thing. I love this question. So I was like, I'm going to do it for 30 days. So I went in and I was like, I made a promise to myself. And to me, that is everything. The second you make a promise to yourself, you're the only one that can break that. So now it's who do you want to be? Who do you want to, you know, what reputation do you want with yourself? So I'm like, I'm the person that sticks to my promises. So 30 days challenge. All right. Now I told myself, Lisa, you can only, you can, you have the choice to be in there for like 10 seconds. It doesn't have to be extreme, but I love competing with myself. I love getting stronger, making me feel stronger, more powerful. So I started at 10 seconds. I ended up going to five straight minutes. And it got to the point where I actually stood outside one day in LA. It was freezing cold. We were in the hills and it was so cold. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to go outside because now I'm not just in the cold. I've got the wind. It's not just like the, the shower. So I put my hair net on because, of course, I don't want to ruin my braids. I put my shower cap on and I go outside and I'm in my bikini and I just stand there like this. And for five minutes, and I go, I felt so good. But going to your question, why did I stop? Because over time, I started to realize it made my brain freaking sharp when my body started to get affected by it. How long did you do it for? So I did it straight for a month. And then after that, I said, okay, I think my body's breaking down a bit. Like it was, it was almost like finding it hard to recover. Mm -hmm. And so I said, okay, this is great for the mind. But again, you're the person that now listens to her body. So stop doing it for a bit and see. And I stopped doing it and I noticed the difference of body recovery from the gym and things like that. So I haven't done it since. Yeah. So I think like that's where I would not do that. I would not force myself to do something for 30 days that I didn't, I wouldn't do it. One, I'm not going to do the cold thing because I have no interest in doing the cold thing, right? It's just not my thing. I, even you telling me, I feel it like. You're saying the cold isn't outside? I just, I'll do my cold showers. Okay. 
because I enjoy those, but I won't do that. It just doesn't resonate with me. Again, this is when it goes back to the service. We never did things in extreme because the body had to maintain its balance, its homeostasis. Mm. So doing something like that for 30 days with the cold, that is very extreme. Your body is not going to do well with that. Mm. 80-20 rule. The place I came from, I had to be strong every single day. Mm. And you're talking about years. So when you do very extreme things, you can't sustain them. The body cannot sustain it. It's too hard on the body. It just can't, you know, just again, be in tune with your body. Right. And that's the thing, girl, like being in the bodybuilding industry and seeing like hardcore fitness people, they would go to the gym every day, lift weight, but it was all about how they looked. And when they are competing for stage, I don't know if you know what they have to go through to compete on stage, but like water depletion, cutting salt out of your diet for a whole week, eating boiled chicken, literally to the point where one of my friends went on stage and she had water depleted so much she couldn't speak because her mouth, she had no moisture left in her mouth. And then what they did, at least what she did, she then ate a tub of peanut butter before she got on stage because you've water depleted, water depleted, you eat peanut butter, all of a sudden the fat and the salt go straight to your veins and you're pumped. She goes out on stage with heels can barely stand up because she's so water depleted, so like um, malnutrition from like the tight, tight thing that they do to get on stage. That is when I realized, holy shit, like it's the extreme, right? It's almost like I worry because you go so extreme to get to a goal. And this is kind of coming full circle to get to a goal. But then what? What ended up happening is for three weeks Three weeks, every single food or chocolate or sugar she saw, she ate because she depleted herself for so long. And I remember going, what? Like, I remember in that moment going, I'd had all these views of what health was. If you have muscles, if you looked a certain way, you're healthy. And if you go to the gym and if you lift heavy weights, then you're healthy. But that's why, though, the goal thing really worries me. Because it's not about how do you feel. It's not about performance like you're talking about, at least how I saw it and you know, grew up with. It wasn't about that. And so it was about how do you look. And hitting the gym was seen as healthy, right? But the fact that they couldn't stand up, the fact that six for three weeks straight, you're eating like all the foods that you've just said is, you know, you can't have or whatever. And now where have you gone? Like your health, your mindset, everything that you've just developed is back to zero. You've said it multiple times in this episode, it's a lifestyle. And the second I shifted from, you know, I just want to deadlift a hundred pounds to I want to keep deadlifting until I'm 90. Yes, that's it. High five. I don't care how much I deadlift. I don't care how many miles I run. Because if you, you over, you exhaust the machine, if you abuse the machine, You know, if you've got a Toyota Corolla and you're driving it like it's a Maserati, you're going to have a problem, right? You have to get it to performance. And I'm with you. It's like, I want to be able to to sustain this long-term so I can be healthy long-term. If I get injured, if I need knee replacements or hip replacement, or if I cause damage to my bone structure, then I don't, I don't, that makes no sense. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, if you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, 
it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with hires as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is the negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about? That maybe not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa, all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. There's really no judgment on how someone chooses to live their life, at least from my perspective, but I just go to what is the goal you're trying to do and then how do you get there, period. And so for us to be talking about how do we show up every day, not just today, not just from a week, but literally till we're 90 to in fact 100, 110, there's really no end line or end goal in the sense. To me, my end goal is when I take my last freaking breath. No! So I was planning on doing the cold plunge for you as my demo to show you the ways like I try to stay healthy. But then Lisa said she wanted to join me. So she went upstairs to go get ready and I'm just waiting for her. Just go ahead. Really? 
Ready? Yep. One, two, tactics that a real U.S. Secret Service agent uses to spot lies? As a former agent, I want to help you. So here's a clip from my new course, Becoming Bulletproof, how to read people and detect deception. When it comes to reading people, the most important thing I want you to remember is to be an active listener. Active listening means listening to a person with all your senses. It's not just listening to what they're saying, it's looking at them. Open your eyes and listen. That's what I always say. Receive them. Feel them. Use your senses. You will learn that and much more in my course, Becoming Bulletproof, How to Read People and Detect Deception. To learn more and sign up, go to bulletproof.impacttheory.com. Girl, when we were doing Quest, I worked so many freaking hours. I was that person that thought, if I relax, if I stop, then I'm not going to succeed. And I was so petrified of losing our house because we put the house on the line when we started Quest that I was so driven to just keep going. But in that process, I stopped drawing, which I freaking love drawing. I stopped doing things that were for myself, anything pleasurable. I was like, can I justify the time to do this? And it wasn't until I started to do things for myself, like I picked up the pencil after 10 years, that I was like, oh my God, this is what I need in order to stay strong. Like, it, I actually thought it was the opposite, right? Like, if I take time off, if I do things for myself, if I do things that are relaxing, it's actually going to derail me from being strong, from showing up, from being a badass. And it's the absolute bloody opposite. So what do you do to relax? <laughs> so I actually learned. So that was the thing. It's like, what do I actually enjoy doing? What can I do that is just for me? So I, I picked, up the, um, picked up the pencil again. That was huge for me. But it was actually anxiety-driven because I was like, what if I'm not as good as I used to be, right? The negative freaking voice. And so it's like, it, like, I haven't done it in a long time. Do I think that I can actually do it again? 
And I was like, stop judging yourself. For heaven's sake, just pick up the damn pencil. And once I started, I couldn't stop. I was like, this is my sanctuary. It was like what people talk about when they get, when they meditate, that was me drawing. And so I started to make time for myself. And now I don't do things by accident. I plan it every freaking Saturday morning without fail. You can't reach me. So as soon as I'm done working on Friday, whatever time that is, I switch my phone off and I will not switch it back on until Monday morning. So you will look at nothing? I will look at nothing. No emails? No emails, no text messages. If an emergency, because at first I was like, I need boundaries, right? I, I haven't set any boundaries, even for myself. And I'm exhausted. Like I'm literally physically and emotionally bloody exhausted. And that was the big thing of how do I get better? How do I take care of myself more? And so I started to try. I was like, I'll just switch my phone off for a couple of hours. And then I started to realize it was so good for me. And I got pushback. Everyone from family to friends to work colleagues. But Lisa, what if we need to reach you? But Lisa, what if? I was like, okay, give me a scenario that you absolutely need me in those two days. Oh, but what if something happens for the business? Text Tom. But what if someone doesn't have Tom's phone number? Then you can't be, I don't mean to be rude, but you can't be that important to the business if you don't have Tom's phone number. Right, like our entire team has access to Tom. So I just started breaking things down. So my family in England, but what if something happens? You live in England. Like A, obviously you know Tom, so text him. And then B, it's not like I can jump in the car and be there in 30 minutes and it will make a difference. It's gonna be 36 hours before I can actually probably get to you. And so everyone was pushing back. I stuck to my ground, girl. I was so proud of myself. I held my ground, stuck to my boundaries. And over time it started to be like, more and, people, more and more people started to accept it. So I started to say it more out loud. And when I say it, when I think that has been a massive fundamental part of my healing and me getting more stronger, it really has. Um, but it took me from recognizing the importance of fucking relaxing, the importance of sticking to it, the importance of setting boundaries to it, and the importance of understanding what it does to you and why you need to make it a habit as part of a lifestyle. Because this is something that I know that we've spoken of so much in this episode, as part of your lifestyle. Yeah, I can't do any of that. <laughs> your relaxing is like the complete freaking opposite. I can't do any but of that. That's why I'd had so much of it for so long, I hit a breaking point. But you didn't. I just realized that. How, like... I guess I, I don't know. I mean, our... I, I used to sleep with my Blackberry. There was the pillow for me and then the pillow for my Blackberry. And then your husband. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, no. When I was on the President's Detail, we, we actually lived apart. Oh, really? You had to live, like... to live apart, completely different states. It was, that was a hardship in itself. But um, my Blackberry had its, its own pillow, pillow. I always had to be reachable, no matter what. And it was like that for 13 years. And I worked holidays. I probably worked every single Christmas, every single New Year's. I always volunteered for the holidays because especially I started young, so I would volunteer to work for the agents that had families. So we would try to do that for each other, mm. which was a nice thing. But you always had to be reachable. There was never a point where someone called you and you didn't answer. Or if they called and they left you a message, you immediately responded. So I really kind of came from that mindset to be reachable, that the job was important. I, wasn't, I didn't hit a breaking point. It was just part of, I understood though what I was doing and why it was important. Because things would change, movements would change. Crime doesn't, you know, crime doesn't take off. Criminals don't say, you know, oh, hey, it's the weekend. Everybody's going to shut it mm -hmm. down. Criminals don't say, oh, I'm not going to work at night. So we, 
I worked all the time when I worked my cases. And again, with the president, when he would sleep, I'd be working because I'm watching the door. I think, though, with now, because I guess maybe I work for myself mm -hmm. in a sense now, and I'm building my brand, my business, my whatever I am, I am. You know, I wrote a book, so I have so many people reaching out for me. I want to be reachable. But, but I also, look, to be, to be quite frank, like, I'm working, I'm hustling, I'm building a business. Mm -hmm. I can't turn my phone off. Mm -hmm. I can't. People need to find me. People need to uh, access me. I do stuff all over the world. So I'm just not in the space where I can turn it off. Like, I don't have that ability to turn it off. Maybe later on down the line, I'll have it. But for me, like, I'm working. I'm working, I'm working, I'm building, I'm doing, I'm making, I'm creating. So I'm in that mode. And I think perhaps you were in that mode for quite some time and you built your business, you built Quest, you built this. So maybe perhaps you're in a space where you can do that. Maybe 10 years ago, you couldn't do that. You couldn't turn off your phone. Um, God, here's the thing. The truth is, is that back then I thought it, it was part of my identity. I have to be someone that's always on, unreachable, unreliable. And now I'm just like, it's not good for me. But, but I work harder now than I used to. I just yeah. make sure I have time for myself because I've seen where it ended me. And maybe that's the key. I saw that it, I'm, because I went 100%, it pushed me over the edge to the point that I couldn't then be the person I wanted to be. And so it's kind of like what you're saying, even with the balance, it's like for me, in order so that I can keep doing what I love, like I fucking love doing this shit, girl, you know it, like impacting people is my jam. So in order for me to do this, for the rest of my life, I've gone, oh, I've done the experiment. For 13 years, I did this, and where did I end up? Cool, so I need to adjust my behavior now so that I can do this till I'm 110. Um, and that's why I force myself to switch off. No, and that makes sense to me. I just, look, I also, I'm in the news space. News happens 24 hours a day, mm -hmm. seven days a week. So I, I may go on set to cover a news story, mm -hmm. a shooting, a, a terrorist incident, national security. I, I cover that stuff. So they, I have to be reachable as well. I, I think it's for each person, it's different. I, that's just how I am. But I do, the one thing I... I will do is at night when I hit that window of I'm going to go work out and this and that, I will kind of put the phone to the side. And if emails come in, I will try, I'll, I'll glance, but I will try not to respond and wait till the next morning to do it so I can have that window of my time. So I'm not always on, 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 on. But in a sense, I am always on. I don't mind it. It is part of me but I've managed it in a way where I'm not burnt. I don't feel burnt. Okay, so how do you relax then? Come, kind of come in full circle. I'll tell that. you the one thing I do is I will sleep at minimum eight hours a night. This is the one thing where don't mess with my sleep. I sleep eight hours a night. I, when I'm done with my workout, my meditation and all that, I'm sleeping and I will sleep. I do not do three hours. I do not four hours, five hours, six hours. I do eight hours minimum. There's times where I'll sleep nine or 10 if I can do it. Mm. I listen to my body. And you said you meditate as well. I meditate. I'm not good at it. I just want to put that out there. I use an app that helps me. And, but again, sometimes I'll do five minutes. I'll do 10 minutes. Other times, 20 minutes. I, I, I listen to my body. Mm. I listen to what mood I'm in. Can I do 20? Yeah, let's do 20 tonight. I, I, I avoid the rigidity because I had so much rigidity for many years in the mm. service. 
And it's okay, but I don't, it doesn't serve me in the place and state I'm at. So I need to be able to flow. It creates stress. To me, rigidity will create stress for me. Mm. And so my ability to flow and adapt, that's very powerful for me and it works for me. But yeah, sleep time, like don't mess with me. And when I'm asleep, my husband even knows, like you don't, (laughs) it better be like like an intruder better be in the house. The house is burning down. Something's happened if he's going to wake me up in the middle of the night. I'm, I'm definitely like, that's the number one thing I do. So I don't mess with sleep. So how do you burn out? Because I think that that's going to be an important Do I burn out? Well, do you? To me, in order to be freaking strong mentally and physically and everything that we're talking about, it really is, it's what you're putting in your body. It's how you treat your body. And then how you treat your body nicely. Like, how do you take care of it and relax? So tell me how you relax. Well, so I have. It's, it's, I switch my phone off. Okay. I draw, I play video games and I hang with Ah, you missed the video games part. Oh, yeah, I play video games. How, how long do you play video games for? Oh, um, on Sunday, my sister-in-law comes around and all three of us get together and we have like matching onesies and we, (laughs) we play video. Did you guys hear this? And we play video games from about 12 to so four hours. We play straight video games, just us three. And it's like this really amazing bonding thing. And that's another thing. I'm such a huge fangirl of how do I change the chemicals in my body? And how do I eliminate the stress? How do I eliminate any frustrations that may be going on in work? How do I eliminate the feeling that the world is on my shoulders? Assess and then pivot. So I've just, over the time, figured out it's switching off the phone so other people don't interrupt my me time. It's drawing because it's like meditation to me. It's hanging with a hubby because he's my favorite human being on the planet. And then it's playing video games because we get to bond, we get to commiserate together, and we get to celebrate together. Um, and it's a, I, as you know, I'm such a fan of team building that it just helps like emotionally gets me um, emotionally satisfied. So that I show up on Monday a fucking beast. But maybe that's why I'm not always in beast mode because I can't sustain beast mode because beast mode's going to make me crash. I save beast mode for when I need it. I save beast mode for when I'm on air. I save beast mode for that. So I'm not always on. Look, I'll say this. On the weekends, like, I'll clean the house. And while I'm cleaning the house, I have an audiobook on in my ear. I love audiobooks, so I let that take me somewhere else. The movies used to be a really nice relaxation for me because it would let me... Uh, break away from whatever was happening in my life. Sometimes I'll put my headphones on and um, I will watch a a show that I like. So those are little things that I'll do for myself. I'm not here because I've been here for a very long time and here for me is no good. I've been that. I've led that life because it was necessary. Always on, 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 on. And then when you had time off, you'd go here. So I know that just that, that wasn't, that's not conducive for a healthy relationship, you know, relationship with yourself, right? So now it's, I'm on, I work, but I'm not here. When I go on TV, I'm like, don't talk to me. I'm in the zone. I prep. I do my thing. Mm-hmm. I come back down. I will choose who I respond to and when. And I don't let, I control the outside noise. I don't, my gate's not open to everybody. And my gate's not open to everything. If I'm focusing on my book, this is all I can focus on. Mm. And I put things aside and I'll say, hey, look, I'll focus on this project. During a different time, I need like a few days. But so I will be singular in that task so that I'm not, mm. that I'm not burnt. See, I'm not very good at that. 
I will try to, and then I can't help but look at my phone. And I think, well, that's also why I switch it off. I switch it off so I don't have the temptation. And I think that that's a really big key is understanding what your temptations are, what are the things that hold you back, what are the things that you're not allowing yourself to do that really could could actually help you get where you want to go, but you perceive it to be, you know, oh, well, this isn't in service of my big goal of starting a business or having a family, whatever it is, so I can't take time for myself. But I think it, it really is the absolute opposite. Do I do protect myself. There, there'll be sometimes where I'll work on a project and let's say I have a heavy, heavy cognitive load in the morning. I just did a news piece. I did something. It was a lot. I had to prep for it. I had to wake up early in the morning. And then I might be done for the rest of the day. Like I might be like, I, I have no, no performance for the rest of the day. So I can't what do you, you do more. then in that situation? I will, I will do other things. I will do things that are not cognitive. Right. So it'll like, be things in the house, errands in the house, washing my car. Hmm. I do things that don't require the cognitive part. I do things like my husband loves going to Whole Foods. That's his getaway. I, I've, I have, I never go food shopping. I don't know when the last time I went. Mm, He's always like, what, what do I, what am I getting? I was like, I don't know, whatever you think, open the fridge. So that's, but I, I will allow myself, I won't force myself to go because sometimes the, the, I have nothing there. I'm not, I'm going to be useless. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to give you anything. But when I have to work, I work. When I'm in the creative space, I am. Because sometimes I'll be like, oh, I'll rest. And then stuff will come to me. And I'm like, oh, let me go sit down or perhaps because I operated in a very stressful environment for many years, oh. this is kind of like... You're like when, you get sh- when you're get f- when fearful of getting shot at every day. Yes. It's not that's the same thing. That's actually true. Like, I kind of joke, but that's actually true. I never thought of that. It is true. I would go to work, and I didn't know if I'd go home that night. And I was okay with it. So I've learned to be kind of neutral with it. And so maybe that's why these other things don't create that much stress in mm-hmm. me because nothing's, nothing will ever be to that level. For many years I was up mm-hmm. here. Now I'm not up here. I had the stress of somebody dying because of me. I had the stress of somebody getting shot or hurt or me putting a plan in place and my colleagues getting hurt and somebody getting shot or me doing something wrong or hurting the wrong. It just, there's just so many ways. I, my mind always had to be focused. And so I think that's why I also don't do this multitask thing Mm. because on that job, you really had to be when you were working, you had to be in that moment. I couldn't be thinking about something else. So if I was in an interview with someone, I had to be in that interview. My problems didn't matter. What was going on in my world didn't matter. Me going to the cleaners later didn't matter. So when I would do my polygraphs or interviews, those things would last for hours. By the time I was done, I was done. I could just sit down and do paperwork. I couldn't do anything else. So that was very clear with that. If I was with the president and he's doing a rope line, I can't be distracted. I'm watching hands. I'm looking. Who is he shaking? What's going on in the crowd? Is someone holding a pen? Why is that person's hands in their pockets? If there were, I'm like, get your hands out of your pocket. If the hands don't come out, my hands go on their hands and I lock them. I became very singular and my performance was very well. But I was taught to be and trained to be that way. So I could be a great, great at my performance. And then when I was off, I was off. God, that makes so much sense. And even just thinking as you were talking, I was like, I had such a negative reaction when you said I, um, I clean when I'm trying to relax. And everything you just said, I just realized it's because I was a housewife for eight years. I didn't enjoy it. It 
felt like my soul was being sucked out of me. I, again, no judgment on anyone that chooses it, as you know, if people, like, honestly, guys, if people want to be housewives, I, like, praise anyone that knows what they want and goes after it. But for me, I spent eight years doing it and I hated it. And every day I cleaned, I did laundry, I cooked. And so it actually has a very negative imprint in me. And so when I think about relaxing, that is the last freaking thing I want to do. And as you were talking of how much your past and everything you were saying, right? Like, I have to like be so focused. And I, you even said, which gave me the chills. I didn't want to interrupt you, but you were like, I didn't know every time I went to work if I was going to come home and I was okay with that. I'm like, fuck, that's a very different life to what I've lived. And understanding your past actually allows me to understand how you show up today and why you show up the way you are. And then the same for me is understanding, oh, I do what I do all because I had burnt out. I did do the 15 years of grind day in, day out of things that I freaking hated. And I never, I, gave, I felt like I gave up so much of who, what I wanted, the art and all of that, that I think all of that of what we're talking about dictates how we are today. But all of that has been with experience, right? It's all been with how do we become unstoppable? How do we use our health, our body, our mind and fucking relaxing to get where we want to go and our results are very different but they are absolutely a reflection of where we started and how we've come to this conclusion look i i really can understand and empathize like why that was so hard because you did put yourself behind to put somebody else first because that's the culture we were raised in you listened to it i didn't yeah i didn't i did the complete opposite and so for me I enjoyed those things. Like they were, I was following my dreams and I was able to accomplish mm -hmm. them. And even when I left and I started doing this, I'm following my dreams. I'm able to see these things happen. And so I find joy. And so I never had that, I never had that sentiment. And so perhaps that's why, and we come from different places. But truly, I, it, it is, I did come from a different place where there was a different stress level and it was, you're dealing with lives, you're dealing with guns, you're dealing with weapons, you're dealing with people who hate you, want to hurt you, want to kill the person you're protecting. You're dealing with terrorism, you're dealing with violence, you're dealing with hate, you're dealing with people lying to you, you're dealing with saving lives, not just the presidents, the public. So when the president went to, let's say, speak at a stadium of 40,000 people, I had to put a plan in place for him to keep him alive and I had to formulate a plan for the 40,000 people so they didn't, nothing happened to them. Because I'm bringing the threat. The threat is the President of the United States. This is the target. This is what everybody wants to get. And I'm bringing it to Bob Smith from Alabama. And so I'm bringing the threat and I'm introducing it to 40,000 people. So because of their proximity and exposure to the President of the United States, they could be affected. In other words, it could be consequences to their lives. That is a heavy load to carry. And you are responsible for human life. No! Hi everyone. So I'm gonna share with you the things that I do to keep stress and anxiety at bay. Essentially how I choose to relax. One, I meditate. This is actually my meditation chair. And I sit here every single evening and I meditate between 5 to 20 minutes. This helps me find stillness and calmness and to be centered. One of my all-time favorite things to do to relax is put my hair up, put on 
No Wonder Woman pajama bottoms, of course. And watch one of the funniest things on television to ever freaking exist on the planet. Friends. I dare you to have a mad, pissed off day and then sit in your pajamas like I am and watch Friends and not laugh at a freaking Rachel joke. I dare ya. Two, I work out. This is actually my gym. It's the garage and it's outdoors and you can tell it's pretty cold here. This is where I come every evening to work out and work my body. It helps me relax. Another thing that I do when I'm relaxing is I put on a onesie. Clothes to me is such an important part of relaxing. You've got to get your emotions in the right place. You've got to get your chemicals in the right place. And so for me, it's all about pajamas and comfy clothes and me onesie. Three, I limit how much time I spend on social media. I do this to protect and shield my mental health. I also do this because I want to be connected to the present, to the real world, to live in reality. All right, so now I'm in my onesie. I've got my controller ready. And normally it's the hubby and then my sister-in-law sit next to me on our three TVs where we play a fire team. And in case you were wondering, of course, my freaking character is a badass. So even though I may not look like a badass in my onesie, although I do love it, here is my character looking freaking rough. Look at that. On the weekends, this is how I unplug. It's heart racing, that's for sure. But to be honest, I love it because it's so out of my norm. It's not about business. It's not about problems that are happening in my life. It literally is me, my hubby, and my sister-in-law, us as a fire team, looking to win a match. And that is such an amazing bonding experience that it makes me happy. It fills my heart with joy. And so every weekend, this is where I am, playing my video games in my onesie. Here's number four, by far my most favorite relaxation technique. I go running outside, in the woods, on the beach, in the snow, in the heat, in the rain. I do this to release all the stress and the worry that my body's accumulated throughout the day. No! Have you ever had your life shattered by a lie? Have you trusted someone only to have them violate that trust? If that sounds like something you have experienced, I want you to watch this. In these examples, you see the cross arms. Again, defensive posture, or if you're dealing with someone like myself, it might just be the position I like to rest in. When you meet people and you're connecting with them, in those first few minutes, look at the way they're standing. If they're standing like this from the onset and they stay this way, that's their normal baseline. If it's not and their hands are down and the conversation goes in a direction they don't like, and you see this, time to note, there's a problem. That was for my course, Becoming Bulletproof, how to read people and detect deception. In it, you will learn all the skills I used as a former US Secret Service agent to protect myself and others. To learn how to see through lies and protect yourself, go to bulletproof.impacttheory.com. Growing up, I really did have like um, eating issues with food and I was counting calories. And I thought, you know, the way I looked was would dictate everything, would dictate my confidence, would dictate how I showed up every day until I had massive health issues. And I realized food is literally like gas in a car. If you're not putting in the right gas, if it's not good quality, if it's not regular, if you leave the car on empty, your car just doesn't 
work anymore. And the whole reason for this freaking show is to talk about how the hell do we be unstoppable? And to me, to be unstoppable means you absolutely need to look at your life and look at how you're treating your body, how you're treating your mind, and are you giving it the fuel that you that you need in order to be unstoppable? So that's why it's so freaking important for us to dive deep on this and talk about how we actually deal with this differently because your take is very different to mine. I've, I've never focused so much on food. I think maybe because I started in law enforcement. I started in the NYPD. I, I was right, essentially right out of college. And everything was about consuming for performance. It was not about what I looked like. It was performance. Could you do pull-ups? Could you do push-ups? And so that is what I looked at when it came to consumption. So, and I do remember when I did go to the U.S. Secret Service, we actually, we had nutrition classes. They, because when you're in that job, you're, you're, this is your vehicle, and you have to maintain it. If the machine goes down, you have no job. You are fired. You lose your job. There was also a standard that we had to meet. And so I really had to take care of it. And I do remember, remember one point when they brought this doctor in to talk to us about, you know, our bodies. And I remember all the guys in the class raising their hands, asking about supplements, asking about this. And then finally the doctor at the end, he's like, it's all about food. Food was such a big part of keeping your body going and health, you know, healthy. For example, when I went to the president's detail, I was there maybe five years. You don't, I, I never called out sick. In five years? Yes. Sick leave, which is what we called it, was an appointment you made. I would make an appointment to go to the doctor three weeks out. I could not call out sick. You showed up every day because if one person isn't present, the whole system collapses. Mm. So it was, and it was kind of looked on like on you to care yourself. Mm. You can't be, you can't be a mess. You, you, there's an onus on you. You have to perform. And so if you're not eating well, taking care of yourself, that, I don't want to say there was no tolerance, but that there just was no tolerance. And so that's the way I looked at food, but I looked at it from a function. And look, even at home, there's certain things that I won't purchase because I'll eat them. There's no bread in my house just because it just doesn't work for me. That's what I was going to say. How do you know? So the, the sorry to cut you off, but the, the they give you a nutrition class, right? And like you said, it's somewhat, I'm sure, generic for the whole class. Yeah. Well, how a six foot five guy is going to eat and the nutrition he may need is going to be very different or partly different to what you would need. I love that you said the purpose of it, the result, the performance, that was freaking fire. Because once you're able to go, what I'm eating isn't about how I look. What I'm eating is so that I can be unstoppable. I want to get my mind sharp. I need to get my body sharp. So how do I do that? The fact that you said it's all based on performance, I think is makes it very clear to go, if you eat this, how do you perform? If you eat this, how do you perform? And that's how I would then assess what works for me and what doesn't. So did you take the class and then take notes of, oh, they said to do this. Hmm, that doesn't feel quite right for me. No, I didn't think about it so hard. And I, look, with your food, I'm not, I'm not rigid with anything. I have an 80-20 rule. 
80% of the time I am consistent, I eat well. But I can't be, I can't be all the way invested. 20% of the time I will, you know, have what makes me happy, what I enjoy. If I'm, you know, telling myself, don't eat, you can never eat cookies. Mm. I, then all I'm going to think about is why can't I eat a cookie? So I don't do that to myself. So 80% of the time I eat consistently well. So that way when I go out, I can have maybe what I want. Or if I'm having a moment, you know, once or twice a year, yes, I do it. If I hit McDonald's and enjoy a Big Mac, because that's like one of my favorite things. It's like a childhood thing. I loved it when I was a kid. It was a, like a perk, a reward. I will do that. So I don't hate on myself. That works for me. If I can't go all the way in, I can't be that strict because I can't hold it. It's too much. It's too much stress. I like to have balance. And, but I'm also aware. I don't lie to myself and have, you know, eat horribly all week and be like, oh, I ate well. Like, if you need to write it down, you may have to write it down. You have to really be, am I consistent with the 80%? 80% of the time, I eat very clean. I don't eat heavy foods. If I eat a heavy food, I can't run as fast. So that's kind of how I understood my body. I can't eat this because if I eat this, I can't perform. Even when I'd have um, training or workouts, I wouldn't eat before anything just because I knew my body. I needed it to be empty and clean. And so I could run faster, Mm -hmm. do more pull-ups, do whatever, um, perform. And then I would let my body eat later. So It depends, but everything really was about, for me, health and performance. Health, I had to be healthy to go to work. You can show up sick. You get probably get kicked off the president's detail because then you're Mm. useless. Mm. Body had to be in peak performance. Mm. That's really all it was. And yes, what you consume, it's it's the gas to the body. Yeah, we, we've had such different backgrounds when it comes to this, which is why I freaking love talking to you about this so much. Um, because for me, it wasn't listen to your body growing up. Like, especially, in fact, when we started Quest, we had, as it was getting bigger and getting very well known, we had just bodybuilders and women with, like, muscles. And we had people come in that were very, um, very present in the fitness space. And so they get admired. And so they talk about what they eat. And so it's like, oh, okay, to get that body to look like that, I must eat the way they do. I would listen to what other people were saying to do because I wanted to look a certain way. It had nothing to do with performance because at the time I prided myself and my own value on how I looked, not how I showed up and what I did. And so I would look at what they did and I was like, oh, cool, six meals a day. I was starving all day the time and I never listened to my body if I had six meals a day and I spaced them out and it was 147 and I was starving and I told myself I was going to eat at two o'clock I would wait and I would I can't focus can't work all I'm looking at is the freaking clock but I kept doing it girl and it took my gut to literally erupt for me to have a wake-up call that I wasn't treating my body the way I need to in order to be the person I want to be why did you do that though? Like, why did you focus so much on creating a schedule or being so kind of like having this agenda? Like, with this is when you eat, this is when you don't. Is it just because of what you saw and because they were doing it, you thought you should do it? I know, actually. I think it was, I saw my mom fluctuate from extremely skinny to extremely overweight. I saw my sister at the age of 16 
who was on slim fast. So as a young girl who admired my sister, admired my mom, I definitely think that I interpreted how food and how you look mean equates to how people will react to you. And being the kid, I was always known as skinny. So my self-esteem came, I think, from a lot of women going, you're so lucky you're skinny. Now then you go into hormones, right? You turn a certain age, you get your period, you start to develop. And now I start to fill out. And now I start to get people going, oh, you're getting a little fat. So my value, my own personal self-esteem was held to that. So you can imagine just how I showed up every day as a person, the insecurity that lies within me. And so then starting Quest and then realizing not even realizing, starting quest and me admiring these people. And that's the thing. It's not even, I can't even blame anyone else. It's when I looked at their physiques, I admired them. So I thought if I have that physique, people will admire me the same way I admire them. And it's not fucking true. Like you don't, when you get there or when like the reality hits you of the, the sacrifice that it takes and the fact that I wasn't cognitively aware all the time because I was tired and I was drained, but I so focused on I want to feel a certain way about myself because I feel insecure that I'm willing to make the sacrifices. Don't freaking eat until, you know, for another 13 minutes, Lisa. And I could do it. I have, I have a willpower that is very detrimental to my health and, you know, in a sense, and that was very detrimental to me. But it took my gut for me to realize how important food is and every freaking little detail. So like, I love that you even said about, um, you know when to eat. So if you're about to do something that's very stressful, you know that yourself and you know that you can't eat right before that. I didn't even think or listen to my body with things like that. And I never understood that when I ate, when I'm really highly stressed, I would get massive stomach cramps. I never put the two together because I didn't see the importance of food. Um, So how did you get to the point where you realized, oh, I can't eat because this actually hurts me and affects my performance? Well, when I went to the NYPD and we did a lot of running, we would run miles and miles. I couldn't eat before we ran. I wouldn't be as fast. I was heavy. I was slow. I didn't feel good. So I knew you don't eat before you do that. Mm. And then I just learned on the job, like if we ever did an arrest warrant or search warrant, which is very high stress, you know, I didn't eat before that. I wasn't starving. I just understood like my, my body needs to be focused. The blood needs to not be in my digestive system because it's where it goes when you eat and it weighs you down. And that's why you get tired. You need a nap. I need to be sharp. And so I wanted my blood in my extremities and my brain where it was needed. And then when it was done, we'd go eat. But I was also around other people who ate healthy because we were about performance. But I wonder if because of, I had no schedule in my life. I worked, one day I worked 16 hours, one day I worked eight hours, one day I worked 12 hours, one day I was in a plane. So you just ate when you were hungry or when you could. Mm. But I always listened to my body. Like this told me what it needs. Even now, even though I'm not in that space, I eat when I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. I don't look at the clock. I don't think breakfast, I don't do any of that stuff. I feel my body. If my body's telling me, hey, I'm hungry, I go eat. My body's like, I'm good. I don't eat. Yeah, I'm completely the same now. And I flipped so much that when when I was really at my worst, I made a promise to myself. And I said, Lisa, you've done this to yourself. It's okay. Don't judge yourself. You've done this to yourself. It's fine. 
But now, learn the lesson. Do not, when your gut gets better, I made a promise to eat and fuel myself and to eat to feel good. Eat when I'm hungry. And to be honest, now, because I don't have the scale, I eat and I'm like, am I still hungry? Leave yourself 20 minutes. Do you want more food? Oh yeah, more food. Okay. I actually feel like I need some fat because I've got so in tune with my body. I actually know like if I need more fat, my joints start to ache if I go too low on fat. And that's just been experimenting. That's literally been, all right, I'm going to try this. How do I feel? Oh, oh, you know what? It's funny when I ate this. So like for instance, when I first had my gut issues, everyone was telling me, eat sauerkraut. Sauerkraut's amazing. It's fermented. Eat more fermented foods. Eat kimchi. Everyone was like, this is going to cure you. And I started to eat and I was like, oh God, this really hurts. And I kept saying to the professionals, guys, this freaking hurts. And they're like, no, no, don't worry. Your body just needs to build back. You're fine. And I was like, it, it, my body was telling me you shouldn't be eating sauerkraut. And I never freaking listened until I took ownership, until I started to go, forget everything you know, Lisa. Imagine your body's a blank slate. Try this. How do you feel? Don't judge. Don't judge. I'm going to keep repeating that. Don't judge. Eat this. How do you feel? My God, I felt like I had so much energy today. I was freaking on fire. I was so happy. I was actually depressed today. Like, assess how your body reacts to certain foods. And the second I cut sauerkraut out and I started doing my own research, I started, um, I realized I actually had, an, I had SIBO, which is a bacteria overgrowth in your small intestines. And the first thing they say is cut out everything fermented. And I was like, I knew it. And it was sad that I had to wait for a result, a piece of paper to tell me, yeah, you shouldn't eat this. Like it breaks my heart, even just saying it out loud, but I've sworn that I'll never go back. And that's why even now I'll just eat things. And I'm like, do I feel satisfied? Do I feel sharp today? I hear what you're saying too about the scale. I know you brought it up before. I I feel that's the one thing I can say I feel very strongly about. I never cared about the scale. I still don't. I do think it's a detriment to sit there and look at a number. I don't need the number. I'm going to look at my body and my body's going to tell me when I see it what's going on. Do you know how rare that is though for a female to say that? Because I don't think you've ever, right? Correct? You've never really looked at a scale or worried? No, just when I would get weighed at the doctor's office or when I would get weighed in the service or for, for training, you know, um, they actually kept uh, stats on how much we weighed. Really? Yes. Wow, how did you feel about that? I didn't care. It's performance. My body's part of the job. You don't like it? Go find another job. Like, it's just, it's just it is what it is. It's like, I'm not there just for my brains. Um, I'm, this is the vehicle. It's like you have to be tactically and physically able to do the job. Maybe because I was all around all men. They all took care of themselves. They ate healthy. It was just an understanding and maybe it was the collective mindset of the environment I was in. Oh, that's interesting. Yes. I can't believe we haven't even spoken about that. I You're think so it's right. the collective mindset because I was around a collective mindset and an agency that valued the body, understood that health mattered, that physical performance mattered. And there was this understanding of, you know, even when we went, where are we going to go eat, guys? And we thought about where we would go eat. Sometimes it'd be like, hey, let's break bad and get something like this. But that it was, but it was always in a healthy way. It was never in an unhealthy way, in an obsessive way. Um, and so I think maybe perhaps unknowingly, I came from a very healthy environment, a very but the collective mindset was healthy and it was all about peak performance. 
And that's what we focused on. We didn't focus on, hey, man, you look good. It was like, can you run from here to there and then back and carry someone on your back? God, this is so freaking important. And like, I'm just going to be fucking raw. It's like growing up, food was all about weight. It was all about how you looked, how you weigh. And like, that's why this episode, this episode of the series is so freaking important to me to have two women talk very openly and honestly about the power of food, but it has nothing to do with your freaking looks. And like, when I think about all the struggles that I went through, the insecurities and not feeling good. And like, especially during that first year of my health, it was so freaking powerful to see the impact food had on my mood, my spirit, my, my, my mindset, how I thought about myself. I don't think of myself as a very emotional person. I'm just someone that doesn't cry often. And there was one time, I don't think I've actually shared this story publicly. There was one time where I was um, at Quest and Tom's technically my boss. So we're in a meeting and it's me and let's say five other heads of departments. And something happened and Tom says something to me. Now in business, I can typically most of the time keep my cool, especially when it's like heads of departments and like those types of situations. And Tom said something to me and I was so upset. I was like, I can't believe he said that. I'm so upset. At the end of the meeting, everyone leaves. I go into his bathroom and I just burst into tears. I've never cried at work ever. I just burst into tears. And I'm like, you were so mean to me. I can't believe you said that in front of like the team. And he literally, because we'd been together for so long and because we trust each other, he just looks at me and he's like, there's something wrong with you. And he didn't say it like that, but he was like, what's going on? And I was like, what do you mean? You were rude. And he's like, babe, this isn't you. He's like, you're not normally emotional. What's going on? And so I was like, you know, um, you're trying to blame, you know, my gut. You're trying to blame the food. And the truth was, it absolutely, girl, had to do with the gut. It absolutely had to do with how I was eating, what I was eating. Affected my mood. Affected how sad I was. Affected how um, depressed I was. Like, all of these, this stuff is so freaking real. And so having this episode where we get to really talk about food honestly and say it's not about, the, like, how you fucking look. Being unstoppable means you have to look at what you eat, how it affects your brain, how it affects your mood, how it affects how you show up every day. And then on top of that, everything you're saying of the body, like if your body isn't working, you can't get out of bed. Okay, if you can't get out of bed, are you showing up as your true self? No. So how do you give your body what it needs so that it can freaking get out of bed and crush the day? No. I figured out through a lot of trial and error that I need to eat in the morning. I prefer to start the day with a green tea. I threw a bunch of veggies and protein into a skillet and voila! This is my breakfast that will fuel me and make me feel ready to take on the frickin' day. I mean, who doesn't love avocado? Yeah, it's <laughs> that's my song, girl. That's my song.